welcome to the Canadian Nutrition Society podcast, Nutrition Conversations, a podcast dedicated to exploring the latest research in nutrition and health in Canada. In each episode, we invite expert guests to share their insight and knowledge on a wide range of topics from dietary patterns to sports nutrition, food insecurity, and food sustainability. Whether you're looking to improve your own health and wellness or simply stay up to date on the latest developments in the field of nutrition, we hope you'll join us on this journey to better understand the role food plays in our lives. Please note that the views expressed by speakers in CNS podcast are those of the speaker and not necessarily of CNS. Sitting in the host chair in this episode is the Scientific Director of the Canadian Nutrition Society, Dr. Sharon Penahy, who will be talking to Dr. Jim House on Season 2, Episode 1 of Nutrition Conversations on the role of eggs as part of a balanced diet, their nutritional profile, and effects on overall health. Hello, Nutrition Conversations listeners. On this episode, we're cracking open a topic that's a staple in kitchens worldwide, eggs. These versatile little powerhouses have been a breakfast essential, a baking necessity, and a source of nutrition for centuries. But beyond their culinary appeal, eggs are packed with a host of nutrients that make them a fascinating food for discussion. To help us explore the role of eggs in a balanced diet and dive into the latest research findings, Joining us is Dr. Jim House, a professor in the Department of Food and Human Nutritional Sciences at the University of Manitoba, where his research focuses on three primary areas that include understanding factors regulating sulfur amino acid metabolism in animals, sustainable egg production systems, including novel value-added egg products, and determining factors influencing the quality of dietary proteins. Dr. House has served as past president of the Canadian Nutrition Society, is a CNS fellow, which is a designation and honor bestowed upon a CNS member by peers in recognition for outstanding contributions to nutrition science and or practice, and recently awarded the Manitoba Strategic Research Chair in Sustainable Protein with the mandate to lead strategic research priorities, attracting investment in the Manitoba protein sector for long-term economic growth. And I'd like to mention that he has also been a guest host of the second episode of our CNS podcast during the first season. So with that, I welcome you, Jim, as a guest this time to episode one of the second season of Nutrition Conversations. Thanks very much, Yorin. It's it's a pleasure to be here. Well, thank you so much uh, for being part of the conversation. And so what I wish to discuss with you today is the egg, which I feel like is a food that we haven't really talked about. Uh, It's nutritional value and more importantly, its role in our health. And uh, I know later on, we're going to also chat a little bit about how to continually improve egg production in Manitoba and across Canada and some uh, exciting new egg facilities uh, that I'm uh, looking forward to hearing about. Um, But before we get into the details on eggs and nutrition, uh, could you share with our listeners a bit about your background and what sort of sparked your interest in this area? Well, sure. So I did my PhD at the University of Guelph in amino acid nutrition and metabolism. And um, it was in the Department of Animal and Poultry Science. And so I gained uh, interest in in that area from a very early stage. 
moved on to do a postdoc at the university in uh, uh, Memorial University in Newfoundland. And in a completely different area, it was looking at the role of homocysteine and cardiovascular disease. This was in the late 90s. And at that point in time, there was a lot of interest in folate and how it might reduce homocysteine, have an impact on cardiovascular disease. But there was also interest in folate and neural tube defects. And so Health Canada policy was coming out at that particular time, looking at fortifying uh, bread flours with and, and other uh, grain-based products with folic acid. And so we had done a lot of work looking at that relationship between folate, homocysteine, neural tube defects. And when I moved on to an independent career, I was thinking, how can I link to my previous research? Um, recognizing that most of the vehicles for introducing folate at the time were carbohydrate-based, I said, well, what about a protein-based vehicle? And so we started looking at an egg uh, as an opportunity to enrich with, with folate. And so we did a lot of work and showed that we could dramatically increase the folate content in eggs, that it was highly bioavailable, that it could influence the, um, the folate status of, of humans who consume these eggs. And so we, I think that really sparked my interest in looking at eggs and the potential for modifying egg composition for the benefit of, of human health. Well, thank you for sharing that insightful introduction. It's clear that your diverse background has sort of brought you to the forefront of exploring the value of this great food. Um, many of us consume eggs regularly, but there's often more to them than meets the eye. And they're of particular interest from a nutritional point of view, um, as you've talked a bit, uh, about a little bit. Um, could you talk about the egg itself, its main components, and uh, its nutritional profile? Well, sure. So a typical serving of eggs is 100 grams, which is really around two largest eggs. So within two large eggs, you're going to find about 12, 12 and a half grams of protein. Um, and it's highly, highly bioavailable. And I'm happy to talk about that further later on. Um, there's about 160 calories in, in, that, uh, in that serving of, of two eggs and 10 grams of total fat, of which uh, about, about three to four grams is saturated. And so I know that that's been an area of concern and happy to explore that uh, as we go on through this discussion. Um, but beyond sort of the macronutrients, um, it's also low in carbohydrates. It's very minimal carbohydrate. It's mainly uh, structural carbohydrates. And um, it's also uh, a highly uh, uh, abundant in, in vitamins as well as in trace elements, many of which basically reflect the, the, the primary role of an egg is to become a chicken uh, over time. And so you, you need the nutrients there to support the developing uh, embryo and eventually the developing chick once it hatches because it still draws upon nutrients from that yolk. So you need to have those nutrients that are basically going to turn into a young chick. And so that's why that's one of the reasons why eggs actually have a lot of, of nutrients that are beneficial for, for the human diet. Okay, that's, uh, that's great to hear. Um, and I know uh, one thing uh, a lot of us are interested in are the differences between types of eggs. So we go to the grocery store and we're presented with conventional, uh, organic and, and free run, and perhaps there are some uh, other types. So what are the differences between some of these and, and how, how might the different types uh, differ in their nutrients or, or perhaps even impact our health? So uh, 
Very short answer. When you're looking at the egg and just comparing one egg to another, there's very, very minimal differences between the nutritional profile between, for example, say a white egg and a brown egg. The biggest difference is the shell color. There's minimal differences between um, the conventional organic and free run if you just look at the, the primary factor that drives the nutritional content is the feed that you're providing. So if you have the exact same type of bird and you give them the same type of feed and you put them in different housing systems, they are going to give you the more or less the same nutritional profile. There are factors that can influence, for example, if, it's, if there's stress involved, it can influence a little bit nutrient deposition. But by and large, the biggest factor that is going to impact the nutritional profile of an egg is the feed that you're providing. So if omega-3 eggs, you, feed, you get them by feeding omega-3 diets. Folate-enriched eggs, you get them by feeding folate-enriched diets. Basically, the variability comes with the diets that you provide. So, for example, if you, if you have a free-run system and the birds have, ex, have access to the outside, they're not only getting the feed that you provide, but they're also probably getting grass and bugs. and those are that. So that's other things that can add to their intake, which will impact the nutritional profile. So that's something that's really important to understand is that all things considered equally, if you have the exact same feed, that it, it has a very minimal effect on the nutritional profile um, and in terms the, relative to the housing system. So that's probably the biggest, uh, the, the, the biggest answer that I can provide from that perspective. Oh, yeah, that's great. And, and, and are there uh, any sort of notable differences in nutritional content between, for example, chicken eggs or eggs from other type of poultry, such as duck or, or quail? Well, uh, chicken egg, one chicken egg will have a lot more nutrients than one quail egg. The reason for that is because it's much bigger. Um, so if you look at it on a, on a per gram basis, the nutritional profile is very similar. Um, but if you just compare it egg to egg, just you have to look at the size. Um, so a big egg is going to have, by definition, more nutrients. Okay, that's a great answer. <laughs> um, so maybe let's talk a little bit about cooking eggs. Um, so from, from boiling and frying to poaching and scrambling, each cooking method introduces some distinct changes to the egg's composition. So how might the cooking method of eggs affect their nutritional profile? So this one, again, is a little bit uh, challenging to answer. So um, by and large, it, it really does depend on the, the cooking method. But for the most part, cooking has a generally a minimal effect on the nutritional profile. If you looked at a boiled egg versus a scrambled egg, there's really minimal time to change the composition uh, of that product during the time of cooking. Now, what you can change is the bioavailability of those nutrients based on uh, the cooking method. So, but it tends to be pretty small and it has not been really well studied. So microwaving probably has received a lot of the biggest um, interest over the last 20 years in terms of impact and the, uh, in terms of its effect on the nutritional profile of eggs. And you can see reductions, but again, one of the things that we need to keep in mind is that there's variability in everything that, uh, that we do. And so eggs by nature tend to be highly standardized if they're coming. So if you get all of the same eggs from all of the same birds and they're all on the same diet, and then you treat them to different cooking methods, 
again, you're not going to find a lot of differences um, from boiling. Where you'll find differences is, is if you're adding uh, components during the cooking. Like if you're scrambling eggs and you're adding a source of uh, external source of fat, um, that's going to increase the, the lipid content. Um, so that's that's one thing. But if you're looking at a boiled egg versus a uh, a microwaved egg versus a scrambled egg, where you're not really affecting, um, you're not adding any um, any lipid to it. Uh, minimal changes in the nutritional profile. Uh, for the macronutrients, the micronutrients haven't really been well studied. Um, so with our work with folate shows uh, very minimal differences. Um, that's, that's the one that I would speak to. Um, but when you're starting to look at the micronutrients, the minerals won't change, uh, but the, the vitamins and other bioactives that we're starting to appreciate this is the area that maybe could draw more attention as we move forward that um, because it's really well, it's really understudied. Let's just put it that way. Okay. And do you have a preferred way to make your eggs? Um, however you like them. I, I enjoy them a little bit more uh, in a scrambled or an omelet form um, with, uh, but that's, uh, to, that's just to preference. Great. And so, um, let's talk a little bit about protein. So eggs are often praised as being a complete protein source. Um, and so I was wondering if you could share some insights from your research on its protein quality and how this protein quality uh, contributes to our, to our overall health, for example. Well, sure. Well, classically, eggs have been used as a um, sort of the signature high-quality protein source in the human diet. Um, and other proteins would include like a milk protein or a casein. Uh, so typically the animal-based proteins have been used um, because they contain the, the, a full complement of, of the indispensable amino acids in the right ratio. So all, pretty much all dietary proteins have all of the uh, indispensable amino acids, but it's the ratio that they're present within the food that's important. Now, eggs happen to have them in a ratio that is consistent with an animal's uh, growth needs. Because again, if you think about animal proteins, what are they designed to do? They are designed to become other animals. So an egg will become a chicken. Milk will eventually become a calf because it's the primary source of nutrition that's contributing to growth. And so all of the nutrition that's going to essentially allow for the growth of animals is uh, present in those first foods. So egg, milk, etc. And so that's why they, they're typically high quality proteins and humans are, are, are no different in, uh, in with respect to having that initial sort of requirement for a high quality protein source. And so that's one of the reasons why eggs are often used as a comparator. Um, for, for example, plant-based proteins. Our lab does a lot of work on plant-based proteins and you can find deficiencies in certain amino acids. Uh, and that's where efforts are being placed to understand how we can, for example, understand that variation, understand how we can potentially improve um, that protein quality in, in other sources. But uh, by and large, by mixing proteins uh, through protein complementation, uh, you can you can effectively create a, a high quality protein source, but eggs themselves don't really need a lot of help. Um, so they have the they have a really good amino acid composition. They're also highly digestible because 
their plants have a challenge um, because their uh, plants are composed of uh, plant cells which have a cell wall around them and cell walls are, are hard to break hard to digest so you need to break that down through processing through heat to, to basically break that cell wall release those proteins so that they can be uh, digested and absorbed um, you don't need that for eggs because there is no cell wall present um, also, you might have some factors in plants that, uh, that tend to suppress protein digestibility because it's an evolutionary uh, trait they have so that, uh, um, for example, they can um, uh, impact the way in which animals might uh, uh, avoid consuming them so that the plant can, can survive and grow. Uh, and there's other reasons for, for these anti-nutritive factors as they're um, called. Um, but getting back to just talking about the egg itself, um, it's a high quality protein source and often not, not consumed um, in that such because of concerns that have been created from, their, from, the, from a health perspective uh, over the last you know, 40 years. Great. And um, just uh, you, you talked about the egg itself. And I, I think earlier you mentioned the amount of protein uh, found in, in a whole egg. Um, and I, I find that some people tend to throw, throw away the, the yolk and only eat the egg whites. So I was just wondering, is the protein only found in the egg white or the, the yolk as well? Well, you'll, you'll find it in both. Egg white is primi primarily protein in water. Um, but you're only getting sort of the one of the one of the protein classes. It's an it's an albumin. It's again it's it's a high quality uh, protein. Um, but the egg yolk itself has a, has a has protein. But you're also getting all the lipid, all of the all of the nutrients like vitamins and minerals. All of that is located in the yolk. So again, when you think about why uh, the nature of an egg, uh, that yolk is what's being drawn upon by um, if, if, for example, an egg were to uh, become a chicken, uh, the yolk is what nourishes that chicken. Now, today's uh, like market eggs are, are not fertilized, so they will not become a chicken in your fridge. You won't find chicks uh, popping out in your fridge if you, if you put them uh, in there because they're not fertilized. And that's, and that's just something that um, people need to understand. Uh, so that nutrition that's in the yolk is available for the consumer, which would be the human in that case. So if you're throwing away the yolk, you're throwing away a lot of the nutritional value of it. The, the, the lipid composition, omega-3 fatty acids that, that could be present within, within that yolk is being tossed away. All of the vitamins and most of the, most of the minerals are being tossed. And the white is really just being provided as, uh, as, as protein. So, um, and it's wasteful. Um, I, I think if, if you're not going to eat it, save them and give them to something else, uh, but follow guidelines for how you can, uh, how you can maintain uh, yolks for other purposes, like baking, for example. Thank you for clarifying that. Um, and it seems that egg consumption has regained global popularity in recent years, uh, as they are recommended as a healthy component of diets in moderation. Um, but the recommended consumption differs depending on the guideline and country. Um, highlighting sort of the, the lack of clarity surrounding egg consumption and the benefits and adverse effects on health. Um, egg consumption has been investigated in relation to several health-related outcomes, uh, although with conflicting results. Uh, could you perhaps speak about some of the research being done on egg consumption and health and what some of those findings are? 
Sure. Yeah. So I, I alluded to this in the past and that, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, good things about eggs as there are about all of our whole foods. Um, as we start thinking about um, eggs and the history, um, you go back, I don't even know how long it is, but to the studies of uh, uh, that showed the relationship between cholesterol and cardiovascular disease, which now have even become um, disputed uh, as we start looking into these studies. So cholesterol and then cardiovascular disease um, back 40, 50, 60 years ago, looking at that relationship. Well, then you, um, then you look at the relations that the fact that the, that eggs contain cholesterol, uh, that's a given eggs contain about, you know, it, two eggs is a little over 400 milligrams of cholesterol in, in two eggs. And so, so now we know that there's eggs, that there's cholesterol in eggs. So, it's very, uh, the linear thinking would say, well, given the fact that there's cholesterol in eggs and cholesterol is cardiovascular disease, from a reductionist perspective, therefore eggs should cause cardiovascular disease. And so a lot of that uh, came into, into our discussion in primary care. A lot of doctors were advocating restricting cholesterol consumption um, and restricting egg consumption. And so we saw over time dramatic reductions in, in eggs. And so now we're starting to question, okay, well, what is the evidence? And so many, many clinical studies have been, have looked at the, the relationship between egg consumption, dietary cholesterol, heart disease, all cause mortality. I don't consider single clinical studies in isolation. So you look at the systematic reviews, the meta-analysis, uh, what do they say? Well, just in the last three years, um, there's been over 10 meta-analysis that have looked at this relationship between egg consumption and all-cause mortality. Half of them showed a response, half of them showed no response. I think the challenge is, is that there is, there is very limited evidence to, to show that there's a relationship between egg consumption and all-cause mortality. I know this is a contentious issue, um, but I would encourage people to, to look at the existing meta-analysis and form your own opinions. Uh, I'm showing my own biases by making these, these, particular, uh, these particular statements. But I think it's important to recognize that uh, the quality of the data is what's going to dictate that. And when you start thinking about you know, what kind of data goes into the original clinical studies and the, the data that's currently being used to, to draw inferences for these large meta-analysis. These were done, these are done on people that, you know, were consuming really unhealthy dietary patterns in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And so, you know, you start to wonder, are those dietary patterns catching up with them? And so as dietary patterns have shifted and we start seeing eggs being consumed as part of a pattern where, you know, we're seeing increased in consumption of whole of uh, fresh fruit and vegetables, is that relationship uh, just spurious? And so I think we really need to cast a very critical eye when you start looking at these particular questions. And I am not a, uh, a statistician. I'm just providing you a perspective based on my assessment of the data. That's great. Thank you. Thank you for that response. And and so, I mean, during the past little while, we've been talking a lot about the egg itself, uh, a little bit about its role on our health. Um, but I want to switch gears a little bit and hear about the ongoing research at the University of Manitoba. And so I understand that the UM is looking for ways to improve the, the health and welfare of hands uh, or 
reduce uh, things like the environmental footprint of egg production and produce eggs uh, with enhanced nutrition for, for all of us. Um, and last year, I think it was in, in May of 2023, uh, both myself and my, my colleague, Andrea, uh, we saw you on CBC and you were talking a little bit about uh, these new facilities, um, Canada's first public facility for egg research, education and training, uh, which uh, opened in Manitoba and sounds uh, super exciting. So could you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, sure. So we're excited to have it here. It's called the Manitoba Egg Farmers Learning and Research Center. And essentially, it's a center that's designed to engage with the public. I think one of the reasons why this is important is because to date, the, you can't, uh, an average person in, in, the, in the public can't just walk up to a poultry facility and say, I want to see what your hens look like so, because I'm concerned about their welfare and uh, I'm concerned about um, how you're treating these animals. And the reason for that is because if you walk up to a barn, you're potentially bringing in uh, viruses like avian influenza or, or other diseases that could get into the facility and wipe out an entire flock. And so that's called biosecurity. And so as a result of what's being viewed as hiding the birds away, uh, people were starting to say, well, what are they actually doing in there? And so one of the reasons why this facility was, was opened was to provide a very open facility, transparent. You can walk in uh, as a member of the public and see the birds uh, through glass housing. So we maintain biosecurity through, uh, through the glass housing. And you can actually see them in two different types of caging systems. One caging system is one that is currently been uh, that uh, that is currently being advocated upon. It's called an enriched caging system. Um, so it's a, it's a cage uh, where about uh, fifteen birds will go in there and have uh, space to to room uh, to to make to express their normal behaviors. Um, then we have an open what's called an aviary type system where birds can uh, can go in there and uh, and basically have. They can go where they want. So you'll, basically, there's thousands of birds, and they can fly wherever they want. We've done research in the past and have shown um, that the old cages, which we phased out years ago, uh, now they are still in existence, and they are being phased out by most of the um, the North American, uh, at least Canadian um, centers, to get rid of the small bird cages. And that's a priority for us uh, to make sure that that continues to happen. But this facility is really designed to allow the public to see how uh, we're currently uh, housing birds and what are some options to address their welfare. And I think it's important to recognize that, you know, when we designed the original cages, which were these small bird cages uh, that had five and six birds in them, they were designed post-World War II when the world needed food. And so they, they were designed as cheap and effective means of, ra of raising food. So the concern was not about animal welfare. It was about raising food in a period when the world was, was dealing with food shortages. We've moved through that and we are now in a position to, to address the welfare concerns of the birds. And so that's one of the things that's happening within this, this uh, particular facility. And so we're trying to see, we're trying to allow the, the consumers to do that. Uh, beyond sort of the, that, that housing, it's also a center for research. And so my students will go in there and conduct 
uh, studies with the birds. They'll do um, they'll look at the effect of diet on egg compos- composition, etc. So uh, we see it as removing sort of the mystery of uh, of what's happening behind closed doors, and it's really important. So uh, the kudos to the Manitoba egg farmers for investing in this facility with the University of Manitoba because I think it's a it's 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 a first in it's a first for Canada, and I think it's an opportunity for other other um, other regions to to highlight uh, open transparent production systems and how we raise foods for our uh, uh, for our general public and this is important for all foods um, but I think in this particular case we're making we're making a strong position for uh, for eggs. I think that's uh, amazing and, and congratulations uh, on that. Um, you've certainly enlightened, enlightened us about eggs. Um, and so we've talked a lot about uh, I mean, the new facilities, uh, the fact that eggs have many nutrients, bioactive components, which might help to prevent chronic disease, including uh, its protein content. Um, but I guess maybe one of my questions to you or, or perhaps final questions is if you could provide us with some dietary recommendations regarding egg consumption. So perhaps maybe how many, how often type of egg or perhaps some even key takeaways, what would they be? Um, I'm going to I'm going to make my friends at Health Canada happy and say stick to Canada's food guide, um, which basically shows uh, that uh, eggs fit within that quarter of the plate. Um, which is for protein foods, and we should be focused on on foods that uh, provide protein. Right now, that that protein plate is composed of both plant and animal proteins. I think um, if you look at the, at animal protein consumption, it's currently sitting at around about sixty four percent of our total protein intake comes from animal protein. I think there's a strong argument to be made that that we should probably be looking at reducing that ratio. Um, that's evidence-based, and I think that's something that, uh, that we need to look at from all, all sources of proteins. So, but eggs fit within that protein category. And so, so a serving of eggs, which is two eggs, uh, would fit within that protein, uh, that protein category on, on the plate and contribute high-quality protein for, uh, for the as well as other uh, nutrients and bioactives uh, for the for the Canadian diet. Well, I think that's a great message to leave our listeners with. Thank you for that. And certainly, as you mentioned, we have to, uh, to consider other aspects of our diet uh, as well. So thank you so much, Jim, for these great recommendations, this uh, amazing discussion, or rather, should I say, exciting <laughs> discussion. Uh, it's been a real honor to have you on this podcast. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Nutrition Conversations. We hope that you found today's discussion informative and inspiring. If you're interested in hearing more about the latest research in nutrition and health, be sure to check out our website at cns-scn.ca-podcast for upcoming episodes. You can find us on various platforms including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. Simply search for the Nutrition Conversations podcast on your favorite app and you'll have access to all our episodes in one place. We release new episodes at the end of each month, so mark your calendars and stay tuned for upcoming episodes. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode.